from Anticentric. I'm offered Roman in Vancouver with Sergio Held in Bogota. Thank you for listening to this sixth episode in our series exploring perspectives around the safety of vaccines, vaccine hesitancy, and the race for a vaccine against SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19. Over the last few episodes, we explored the arguments of anti-vaxxers, those people who oppose vaccines on general principle. We consider their fears and expectations and how both of those stand in contrast with the global vaccination push to deal with the virus that brought the world to its heels in 2020. We are almost a year into the global pandemic, but anti-vaxxer groups remain as committed as ever to their position, and so do the researchers looking to develop a vaccine. Vaccines from the US, Germany, the UK, and China are already in late-stage clinical trials to show that they work and that they are safe. On November 9, for example, preliminary data was released from one of those vaccines that shows it could be as much as 90% effective. This vaccine is being developed by Pfizer and its German partner, BioNTech. But that same day, the number of cases around the world was approaching 51 million, with almost 1.3 million deaths. It is a staggering number. The US alone has had 10 million cases and was reporting more than 100 new cases per day. This is why understanding the value of vaccines and avoiding the pitfalls of misinformation and prejudice may be more important than ever. That's not to say that all information should be taken at face value. On the contrary, avoiding misinformation requires careful evaluation of the information that is presented to us. This does not require that we all become experts in biotechnology or pharmacology, but it does require us to pay attention to what experts with track records say and to carefully consider information and not take fear-mongering at face value. And this is what we're trying to do here at Anticentric. We spend many hours fact-checking arguments and reviewing the claims of different groups. We started out from the position that the vaccine debate is not a two-way proposition. There are too many vaccines for too many diseases for that to be the case. Opposing a single and specific vaccine that may have proven to be unsafe or caused issues in the past makes sense. Opposing all vaccines on principle is idiotic. It is a lot like opposing water or all of medicine. It simply doesn't make sense. So over the last few episodes, we interviewed people and experts and looked at data from Brazil to South Korea, Colombia, the US and Canada, India and China, the UK, Germany. We understand that this is an ongoing conversation, a conversation that sometimes turns into shouting matches with entrenched positions even as the questions remain. Will it be possible to find a path to one or more vaccines that are acceptable to a majority of the world? Will vaccination be mandatory? Will the vaccine make it possible for life to return to normal? For kids to go back to school? For travel to become possible again? For people to go out for a cup of coffee without fear of contracting a deadly disease? Several different vaccines should be ready by early 2021, and the debate will likely shift completely to whether taking such a vaccine should be mandatory. This debate is already underway in some places. In Brazil, protests have already exploded against the possibility of a mandatory vaccine in the state of Sao Paulo. Governador João Dória 
que insiste em aplicar a vacina de maneira obrigatória nas pessoas. O Brasil vai aderir à primeira vacina contra a Covid-19 que demonstrar eficácia e segurança. Não envidaremos esforços na obtenção de uma vacina, a que fique pronta antes, que seja segura, eficaz e que tenha quantidade para ser inserida no Programa Nacional de Imunizações. Nem o próprio Jair Bolsonaro, que é o presidente da República, ousou tomar tal medida autoritária e ditatorial como fez o senhor João Dória. This is indeed a fascinating issue and uh, it became quite a contentious discussion in Brazil. Uh, on the one hand, we are living a pandemic. So anything that goes into play and that is safe and efficient should be embraced by the population. On the other side, we do have a government that already Uh, uh, mentioned and, and tweeted that they would not make it uh, required for Brazilians to take the shot. So what happens in Brazil is quite an interesting yet bizarre situation. On the first, back in March, the, uh, mini the then Minister of Health issued a piece of legislation that makes it compulsory Uh, to Brazilians to abide to several uh, specific rules, including uh, vaccination, which means that according to that specific piece, uh, it's law, it's federal law 13979, uh, the government could indeed enforce its ability to make vaccination mandatory. On the other hand, I don't see it happening. We don't see the the federal government led by President Bolsonaro to enforce or to have uh, police authorities enforcing uh, shots on anyone. So indeed, it's still to see, but it's quite a confusing uh, scenario that we have in here. That was Benny Spiewak, a lawyer in Brazil who specializes in healthcare and biotechnology. We spoke to him in episode five of this series and his views were clear. Legally, a mandatory vaccination campaign in Brazil is possible. Practically, it may be difficult to enforce. But more to the point, discussing or fearing such a campaign now is a lot like putting the cart before the horse. A vaccine has not even rolled out yet. If testing eventually shows that a vaccine is both safe and effective, the public is likely to be reassured and more willing to take it as part of a communal effort to beat back this virus. Unfortunately, when it comes to reassuring the public, politics often gets in the way. Such is the case with the vaccine being developed in Cuba, in a process that is shrouded in secrecy, at least in regard to the data related to the vaccine. Carlos Rodriguez, a Cuban refugee who now lives in Costa Rica, spoke to us about how politics and the development of a Cuban vaccine are far too intermingled. Because of this politics and the secrecy, the public may simply not know what to believe. I believe that knowing history is key to understanding the present and foreseeing the future, and I don't know of any occasion in the history of the six decades of the revolution in which the government has recognized an error 
in a Cuban project. Creating a vaccine is a risky undertaking. Undertakings must develop a scenario in which failure and learning from mistakes is possible. But failing, in the case of a Cuban political project, it seems, due to its history, beyond discussion. Fuera de discusión. Secrecy and the politicization of science only amplify the fear and lend credence to the arguments of anti-vaxxers. The only way to answer these questions is over time, with rigorous testing and science, and most of all, with transparency. Without these things, anti-vaxxer movements will continue to grow and become even more vocal and influential. We live in an era right now where misinformation is everywhere. You go online, on social media, that's where a lot of people are getting their news and are being informed, and there's really no filter on what's being said. There is no um, obligation to report the truth or be engaged in facts. And what we've seen when it comes to vaccines is that this means there's a lot of false information about the supposed dangers and risks tied to vaccines. The anti-vaccine movement is really effective because they engage in emotional storytelling. They, they, they have these images of children. They use scare tactics. They're very forceful. A lot of the leaders of the movement are very charismatic. You know, it's, it's easy to start listening to them. And they don't say that they're anti-vaccine, they say that they're pro-safety. You know, that they're just trying to make everyone aware of the risks. Fears, half-truths, cherry-picking of information without context have given anti-vaxxer groups an intense following across social media platforms. Their numbers are rising. According to the World Health Organization, it's not just the ranks of the most committed anti-vaxxers that are growing. Also growing is the number of people who identify themselves as vaccine-hesitant. Mandatory vaccination campaigns that do not go hand-in-hand hand with plenty of information and education are all but certain to create more unrest. There's a bit of irony here. Mandatory vaccination is not a new thing. There have been mandatory vaccination campaigns around the world for decades to eradicate some of the worst diseases. But what has never happened before is the possibility of a mandatory vaccination campaign around the entire world, and one with such urgency as the one now, to do away with COVID-19. In the UK, for example, the debate is underway right now. Some, like Member of Parliament Tobias Elwood, would like to see the logistics know-how of the armed forces used to roll out vaccines and, if necessary, force it among the population. And I have written to the Prime Minister recommended, recommending that he consider calling on the Ministry of Defence to establish a small task force led by a senior empowered voice of authority to begin the planning and design of a draft blueprint. As with everything else, context is king. There are softer approaches and there are degrees of mandatory. In Colombia, for example, a vaccine schedule is already mandatory for children who want to attend school. Many countries have similar schedules, from China to India to various countries in Europe. The U.S. doesn't use a school program, and they're up at 43%, about half of what you're seeing in the other ones. Why? Because it means mommy or daddy's got to make an appointment, mommy or daddy's got to take the kid to get it, as opposed to you're already at school, here's your arm, let's do it after you've got the consent. It's school-based programs really simplify immunization for adolescents. 
Now, we need to be thinking about what you can do about simplifying immunization for infants and young children. Where are they? Could we be providing more immunization programs if we went to a daycare, for example, for hard-to-reach young children where their families are working? Are there ways we can make this better and easier? Now, all these campaigns have nothing to do with COVID-19. Imagine a disease like yellow fever, which is caused by a virus transmitted by a specific type of mosquito. It is the same type of mosquito that transmits dengue. During its first few days, yellow fever is hard to recognize because its symptoms are the same as those of many other diseases like fever, headaches, and muscle aches. But yellow fever can be deadly in between 20 and 50% of patients. A vaccine can prevent it. And in most places, a vaccine for yellow fever is mandatory. There is a very good vaccine for uh, yellow fever. And uh, this vaccine is safe because really the number of adverse effects following vaccination is, is really uh, negligible. Uh, and the good news is also that this vaccine protects for a very, very long period of time, probably entire life. Uh, and this is why it's a mainstay of the uh, response uh, for uh, yellow fever outbreak is really vaccinating people. The approach to tackling yellow fever around the world is a good example of a soft policy that enforces mandatory vaccination. Anyone who wants to visit a country like Brazil or Costa Rica, or go to the Colombian Amazon, or go to Thailand or on a safari in Kenya, has to show proof of vaccination against yellow fever. Oh, you want to visit Kenya? Of course, visiting Kenya for Ugandans is totally free, as long as you just have a passport and yellow fever. That's all you need to visit Kenya from Uganda. It's important when you travel to get vaccinations. That's something else we need to find out, whether our destination country requires vaccinations. For example, yellow fever shots are necessary for many destinations. Almost without a doubt, the COVID-19 vaccine is likely to become mandatory for international travel, just as the vaccine against yellow fever already is. ICAO and IATA are predicting that global aviation airlines will lose effectively between 350 billion and 395 billion US dollars in passenger revenue in 2020 alone. I think for inbound to recover, you will need to have a vaccine in place and the vaccine would have been would need to have been there for a relatively long period of time, at least a six to 12 month kind of period before people start looking at traveling to destinations like India. Still at home, in many countries, the debate about whether such a vaccination should be mandatory or not is likely to continue. Not only is it likely to continue, it's likely to become heated and focus around individual freedoms. Concerns that are founded in fears or in isolated cases of side effects should be given calm reconsideration. The reality is that vaccines save lives. They have been saving lives for decades. Billions upon billions of people have been vaccinated, but the number of problems with vaccines has been relatively minuscule. Following up on these types of debates and perspectives around vaccines and anti-vaxxers is one of our key priorities here at Anticentric. We will continue monitoring the development of vaccines, the growth of anti-vaxxer movements, and of course, the debate around mandatory vaccination campaigns. Please take the time to follow us on Twitter at Anticentric1 or visit our website at www.anticentric.com 
subscribe to our podcasts or our YouTube channel. And we also invite you to follow us in our next series, which will be focusing on social unrest. We'll take you to the US, Spain, Thailand, Colombia, Chile, Brazil, Guinea, so that you can better understand what is causing social unrest in these places and elsewhere around the world and the impact that it's having on people's lives. Once again, I'm Alfred Roman with Sergio Held, and we thank you for listening. Music for this podcast was produced by Thirsk and Gold Gardet. Creative Commons content sourced from TV Brasil Gov. Brasil vai aderir à primeira vacina eficaz contra a Covid-19 de saúde. Contabilidade TV. João Doria recebe aviso de Carla Sambelli. Canal do Conservador. João Doria afirma que vacina será obrigatória em São Paulo. Bolsonaro diz que o ministério não vai impor nada. E Campus Ontario. Nursing OER. Interview about vaccine hesitancy. Foundation Melieu. Impact of vaccine hesitancy and strategies to increase immunization uptake. World Health Organization. Yellow fever, facts and challenges. African Tigris. The African passport. A blessing or a curse? Plus TV Africa. Impact of COVID-19 on aviation sector. The breakfast. FICCI India. The future of travel and tourism and strategies to revitalize the industry. This podcast has a Creative Commons International License 4.0. Thank you for sharing.